Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Oh God, how we love your presence. Oh, it is like water to someone in a desert. It's like the beautiful warming rays of the early morning sun. You do something to us and for us. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done this year. We thank you for the trials we've walked through that have helped us to see you so much more clearly than ever we would have. Father, we thank you for every blessing you've brought, none of which we deserved. So God, we thank you that you're going to keep on leading us. You're going to keep on blessing us. And you're going to keep on strengthening us for every good work that you have for us to do. Now, Lord, as we open up your word for this next period of time, I pray, God, that people won't just hear my voice, but they'll hear yours speaking to them about their life, speaking to them, Lord, about what you have for them, the importance of who they are in this great plan called the kingdom of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 8. We've been digging into this one just a little bit, a particular phrase, because the angels come to the shepherds that are out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. The angel of the Lord appears before them, the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they're afraid. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Amen. All people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. There is born unto you this day a Saviour, not a baby. There's, he didn't say there's born a baby. He said there's born a Saviour. His purpose, His calling, His mission was announced from heaven at the very moment of His birth. This child is a Saviour. He'll grow up to save people, it says, from their sins. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Some of you remember the first Sunday of December uh, after the kids' presentation, I spoke about the incredible odds that Jesus fulfilled in His coming, in His first coming. We know that He will come again. There will be a second advent. Every time you open up your advent calendars and eat the little chocolate behind it or whatever else you do, I pray it'll remind you that that's just the first advent we're celebrating. But there is a second advent. There is a second coming of Christ. He shall come again. The Bible says everything you look at in the world right now and say that's terrible. Somebody ought to do something about it. Can I tell you that there is a God in heaven who has a time on his clock when he will send back the Lord Jesus Christ. No longer the baby in a manger, but he'll come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he'll rule and reign over the earth and evil will be put away and sins will be taken away forever and God's rule and reign will take place on the earth. That is the great hope of every believer. That's what we look forward to. We are living beyond this life, beyond our blessing, beyond our jobs, beyond our careers. We are serving something that is eternal throughout all of history. 
What a great and a mighty thing it is. So I spoke about that. And then last week I spoke about the fellowship that we have with Jesus, the difference between companionship and fellowship, that there is an intimacy with God that is available for every believer. Go back, it'll be there on YouTube. The podcast will be up on the website. I pray that it'll keep speaking to you, that you'll cherish and you will absolutely value the fellowship you have. God is not just there to answer our prayers. He's there to walk with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Best of all, God is with us. But today I want to speak to you about something equally significant, I believe. I've called this message partnering with heaven. So great a salvation. And yet most of us and perhaps even all of us, like many people in the Scriptures, when God comes and calls you, many of them, I think of Gideon and Moses, who when God spoke and said, you are my chosen vessel, the Apostle Paul, many others as well. Peter, the great Apostle, at one point said to Jesus, depart from me because I am a sinful man. He was so aware of the brokenness in his life, so aware of what he was not, that he actually could have missed out on all the destiny that God had for him. His focus was on himself. His focus was what I don't have. Gideon was just the same, saying to God, God, you got the wrong guy. I'm the least in my family. My family's the least in the tribe and our tribe is the least in the whole nation. You could not have picked a worse individual than me. Who am I? Perhaps that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, now I've heard people preach on this and I think they've got it wrong. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 says this, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Verse 27 goes on. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and He used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result of that, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. We read that and I think there's a part of our humanity that so focuses in on those phrases of being weak, of being nothing, of being despised, that we read that, those verses like this. Well, we're useless, we're pathetic, but then God is so merciful and God is so desperate or God is so, who cares, that He says, oh, well, that's the best I've got. We may as well try. But I don't believe that these verses at all are saying anything like that. I don't believe that God wrote that in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 to highlight our weakness and our frailty, to highlight your inabilities. We all have them and we're all aware of them. And think about it a minute. Peter, 
declaring to Jesus, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Lord, I could never follow you. I could never be an apostle. I could never be developed by you. I could never be trained by you. Don't you know the things I've done? And here's the reality that many people so focus on what they're not and they miss out on the destiny that God has for them. They leave aside what they could be because, see, they're so believing the negative and the failure of themselves that they cannot conceive that God could use someone like them. Oh God, if only I could get my act together. Lord, if I was now free of that addiction or if that habit that I keep stumbling into, Lord, if that was gone, God, come back when I'm good and ready. Come back, Lord, when I've got my life together and they are missing out on destiny, missing out on what God could do Read the stories of Jesus' ministry for three and a half years with the apostles. You'll see time after time where they fail. Time after time, I read only this morning in John's Gospel, chapter four, when they come back after going into a Samaritan village to buy food and hating every minute of it. And they come back and Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. And these people look at Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman and not one of them is game to ask him, how come you're talking to a Samaritan? Secondly, how come you're talking to a woman? And thirdly, how come you're talking to someone who's already had seven husbands? And all of this stuff going on and they don't ask. And Jesus sees something that these people who've walked with him never see. If you read the end of John 4, he says, lift up your eyes and look for the fields are white already to harvest. He wasn't bothered by the disciples' failings. He wasn't bothered by the disciples' doubts. His focus was on the harvest. And can I say to you today that God is so desperately wanting to reach people that are lost, people that are broken, people that are without hope, that yes, He will use people like you and me, people that are frail, people that are still got mistakes, people that have not got it all together. Why? Because He's not looking at you as a disqualifier. He's looking at the harvest and saying, I'd rather take somebody who's willing to step into the harvest field and begin to reap a harvest. I'd rather have them than someone who's got it all together. See, it's not about highlighting your weakness. Those verses aren't there to make you feel better. They're not there for you to say, oh God, I know I'm useless. I, though so unworthy, still I'm a child of His care. The Lord isn't sorry that you're here. The Lord isn't saying, well, you're too old. You're too young. The Lord isn't saying, you're too broken. He's not saying you're too clever, you're not clever enough. It's not about highlighting that, it's about highlighting the amazing things that can happen when we partner with Christ. How do I know that? Because verse 30, after all these verses about what you are not, verse 30 says this, but God has united you with Christ Jesus. End of story. Weak, base, despised, naught, a big zero, but you are united with Christ. For our benefit, God made Him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. 
I'm not right because I'm right. I'm right because He's right. Hey man, come on. You got to get this this morning. We're not here for a little Christmas message before, before next week. I want you to grab something for your future, for the end of this year. I want you to grab something for 2023. I'm not right because I'm right. I'm right because He is. And if He said I'm right, then I'm right. No matter how wrong I feel, I'm not right. I've got to be right because He said I'm right. And because He said my word is truth. Because He said I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And if I'm telling you if the way, the truth and the life says you're right, then you are right no matter what devil says you are wrong. You're right. You're right. Not right because of you. Not right about everything. But right in the sight of God. Oh, come on. If you don't believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you'll always live life as a timid believer. You'll always be going, oh God, please help me. I know I don't deserve it. Oh God, please. Oh God, I wish I hadn't said that yesterday. Oh God, would you just forgive me? I need a miracle today. But He never gave a miracle because you were right yesterday or you were right last week. He never gave a miracle because you've been good all year long. He gives a miracle because of the rightness of Christ in our life in Jesus' Name. I get to stand before God completely cleansed, completely pure, completely right with God. Because I point to Jesus. I said, Jesus paid it all. Truth is, He's united us with Christ Jesus. And my past and your lack is irrelevant if you'll partner with Jesus in your life. Most of us here in this building, I would imagine and online, will have heard of a great man. Books, God, so many books written about him. Amazing Grace. This one I read recently. About not a Newton, John Newton, the slave owner, ship owner, who converted to Christ in the middle of a storm. But rather it was someone who came after him, a man called William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was the son of wealthy merchant parents. He lived a privileged life. He got sent to Cambridge University when he was a young man. In his own words, he said, we spent most of our time there playing cards, gambling, and in late night drinking sessions. He was phenomenally talented. People said that such was his eloquence, that one man who was his critic later in life said, I would stop everything and pay anything to hear Wilberforce speak. But he was a sickly man. All of his life, very small in stature. Today, William Wilberforce is rightly celebrated as the man who worked tirelessly for 20 years to end slavery right across the British Empire. And within a few years after that, every European nation banned slavery. Now, I know that it took quite a number of years before America followed suit. But it began with one man who had a 20-year vision. He didn't know it was going to take that long. It just did. But here is this man that there are statues to him. But most of us probably haven't heard of Isaac Milner. Isaac Milner was the brother of Wilberforce's former headmaster. He was a giant man. Every reference to him says he was the biggest human that anyone had ever seen. 
a giant Yorkshireman with giant appetites. When he sat down at the dinner table, nothing on the table was enough for Isaac Milner. He went in a loud voice because he wasn't cultured like William Wilberforce. He wasn't used to servants like William Wilberforce. He wasn't used to the fine cutlery and dining settings. He just in his big booming Yorkshire voice would say, more food. And such was his stature, they'd just bring it out to him. But William Wilberforce was going to have an intersection in life with this man. Let me read to you about Isaac Milner. There's a point to this, stay with me. As for his mind, it was entirely beyond reckoning. Indeed, while at Cambridge, he'd been given the unprecedented distinction of being pronounced incomparabilis, a Latin word, means a super genius in our language today. But the closer one looks, the more one gets the impression that even that superlative doesn't quite capture him, which is both ridiculous and true. The facts are these. He was elected to the Royal Society while still an undergraduate. His performance on his Cambridge exams was so spectacular that the examiners left a blank line in the record books to separate him from the other candidates. He both distinguished himself and published in the subjects of chemistry, physics, algebra and religion. He was ordained in 1775. He later occupied the Lucasian chair in two subjects, mathematics and chemistry. So at Cambridge, we have this super intellect, super giant. He was a strong and committed follower of Christ. And at the other end of Cambridge, we have this wealthy son of merchant parents whose life, as he says, was given to, he quotes, to dissolution, to the pursuit of pleasure. A tiny man, small in stature, a man who had no thought for God other than to fulfil the religious obligations that the rich felt in his day. But as was the custom amongst the wealthy, Wilberforce decides to go on the Grand Tour, they called it, the Grand Tour of Europe. He's taking his mother and his sister. And he asked one of his friends who was well known for being, oh, just like Wilberforce. Oh, had a head knowledge of God, but spent his life in pleasure. But that man was unable to come and desperate to have a companion. Wilberforce invites the brother of his former headmaster, Isaac Milner, to come and to be on this grand tour with him. And Milner, the committed follower of Christ, begins sharing Jesus with William Wilberforce. Day after day, through snowdrifts, at one point, having to get out and push the, the carriage that they were in, unhitch the horses and Thank God they had Isaac Milner, the giant, because he would lend his strength in behind the carriage and push it through the snowdrifts. By the time they got to their destination, the light had gone on for William Wilberforce and he had committed his life 100% to Christ. He wrote a book, I'm reading it at the moment. It's called Real Christianity, where he talks about the difference between a head knowledge of God 
and a life that's completely surrendered to Christ. But he decides, you know, that somehow or other, if he's going to really follow Christ, he needs to give up his job. He had political aspirations. He's a friend of William Pitt the Younger, the youngest Prime Minister ever of Great Britain at the age of 23. He decides he's going to, to give that up and he's going to completely live a, a monkish, sanctified life. Just leaving all that aside, it was John Newton, the slave ship owner, from that past life, who wrote to him. He said this, he said, but maybe God has raised you up. Maybe what God has for you needs you to step back into the ugly places of life, the difficult places of life. He said this, he said, if God has raised you up, no one can stop you. He said, if God hasn't raised you up, then the, the devils and the people will kill you. They'll destroy you. He said, but I'm confident God's raised you up. Against all odds, William Wilberforce is elected to Parliament. It was ridiculous because he defeated the sitting member. He got more votes than the next two candidates combined. And so begins the journey of this man in the political sphere to say, I'm going to let my life count. I'm going to say, God, you can have all that there is of William Wilberforce. And the partnership of these two unlikely people the intellectual and physical giant that is Isaac Milner. And then there is this small of stature and not that academic. If you read, he, he says that virtually they kind of gave him a pass. Together, these two people and their partnership changes the world. It took 20 years. Changes the whole world. All that you read about the end of slavery was because of a Christian man being influenced by another Christian man. A group of Christians. There's a lady called Hannah Moore. I guarantee none of you ever heard of her. Hannah Moore was raised in a family where there was some wealth, but somehow or other in her life, she always felt like there was something for the poor. She began a school for children because in those days in England, education was not guaranteed. She began a school for poor children Later on, her life intersects with William Wilberforce. She becomes the thinking strategist behind the, the, the drive to end slavery. In a time when women were basically thought of as find a man, get married, that's it. And here is this woman, the strategic mind behind all of this. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying because we started with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. You're weak, you're base, you're despised, you're nothing. And God goes, but you're united with Christ. And the partnerships that come out of that can be incredibly powerful. You know, in our world right now, in this church, we have many great partnerships. Let me show you. Have a look at this. You'll recognise this video, or at least you'll recognise the, the subject of it. Have a look at it here. This is something only just
That's 10,000 young people in the zone there down at Dunsborough. 10,000 young people where the partnership that we've had for 21 years with Red Frogs, making a difference in the lives of young people. Pastor Bruce was down there heading up the sexual assault referral team and working with people in that space. He told me only a week or so ago, he said, you could not believe how often it was that we were in exactly the right place at the right time. I said, Bruce, that's what we pray for every year. Thank God for partnership. Well, let me show you another one that also be just as familiar with because, see, we are united with Christ. And something great can happen. Have a look at this one. That's nearly 4,000 young people at the largest convention center in Phnom Penh just a couple of weeks ago that are there singing their hearts out about Jesus. We had three excellencies from the Khmer government there. I spoke to one of them in the break because there was two sessions. I said, is this what you expected? He said, oh no, this is far greater than anything I've known. And then he said to me, I have waited years to be in this kind of atmosphere here in Cambodia. See what your partnership can do. You may not be William Wilberforce. You may not even be an Isaac Milner. Maybe you're just a Hannah Moore, someone that maybe not many people ever know. Let me show you those of you here that have been a part of the journey of uh, Transform Cambodia since the beginning. Let me show you the latest fruit of your partnership. Let's have a look. Hi everyone, it's Jeff here, of course. And if ever you've wondered what happens with your sponsorship of Transform Cambodia, well, you need to look no further than these amazing young people behind me here. We're celebrating tonight here in Phnom Penh. Many of whom began as just young children without any future at all. But because of your giving, because of your generosity, and because of your prayers as well, you know, uh, these young people now are all in amazing jobs with incredible careers, but more than that, with a great passion and a great heart for following Jesus Christ. So I know that all of them want to join with me in saying to you, thank you so very, very much. God bless you. They are university graduates. They're not uh, finished high school, they've finished uni. And I want to show you the picture of one of the girls that was up there because I sat with her at dinner. Her name's Davin. Here's her photo. Davin was sitting there at the dinner celebrating these uh, graduates and she was weeping. And I said to her, Davin, what is, what, are you upset? She said, oh, pastor. She said, I am so overjoyed at what God has done in my life. She said, I never could have imagined as a poor child, because you've got to remember most of the kids in Metro House One, we first gathered them up from the Stung Mean Che rubbish dump. 
uh, gigantic area where refuse was put and they were there trying to scrape together anything they could to support their families. And here is this dove in now in a career in hospitality having completed university. But she's not just celebrating the fact that now she's got a job, that she's got a future. Every single one of them that I spoke to said, Pastor, I feel God wants me to do more. And then she showed me a photo. You can put it up. Because she said to me, Pastor, my family are very poor. My mum and dad owned land, but they had no money. They could not build a house. So while she was at uni, she not only served in Transform as an intern helping children, she not only did that, she said, I took on extra work. She said, I built my parents a house. Not a shack, not a shack, not a little cabin. She built her parents a house. That's why she was crying. She said, I'm so grateful to God. Every single one of them, every time I've gone, they give me a card and say thank you to me. I always feel so much like, you've got to be kidding. You know, I thank you. Thank you to Mark and Andrea who are here in the front row with us. I really, yeah, we... Thank you, Mark and Andrea, for being willing to be the seedbed of the vision that God put into your life. And you've waged the war and you've done the hard yards. And, and I guess there's still more to come because the journey's not over. And we thank God for people that are willing to put into practice what we sang earlier. I make room. We make room for you. The team want to come, please. See, the power is not necessarily in you. The power is in the partnership with Christ. It's not in your personality. It's not in your gifts or your talents, as great as they may be. And so when you ask yourself or the question comes, well, who do you think you are? If you've got the notes either online, on the uh, metro.online platform, or else there's printed copies back there, you'll see that I have put this there for you. Just to remind you, when next time the devil comes to you or someone asks you, says, who do you think you are? Have this in your heart. We are people of indomitable faith, inexplicable hope, lasting joy, unanswerable wisdom, surpassing peace and immeasurable expectation of good unquenchable passion on an unshakable foundation with a limitless love. Our life is hid with Christ in God. We are more than conquerors. We're heirs of the grace of life, equipped by the Holy Spirit, raised up to heavenly places. We have a new nature. We are unaffected by the world because we are found in Christ. You wonder why we sing? You wonder why we worship? You're surprised at our willingness to serve God and people? I say to you, it's not surprising that we do these things. It would be surprising if we did not. Because we are born again.
We're redeemed sons and daughters of the King of Kings. We are unashamed of Him and His Gospel because it's the power of God and the salvation for everyone and to everyone who believes. Stand on your feet with me. Amen. Stand up with me a moment. Father, we thank You for today. Just come with your team. I want you just to sing the chorus of We'll Make Room. I'll make room. I want you to just uh, take a moment right now. Come on. Will you say yes to partnership with Christ? Everyone, the statues to William Wilberforce, but I thank God for this humble Yorkshireman who says, maybe my life is about leading that one person to Christ. Maybe that's what I'm here on the planet for. Maybe as you serve people this week in hope and give food and give gifts, maybe it's a lot more than that. Maybe as you serve in kids' ministry like Danny's been doing and someone will rise up to take his place. Maybe as you serve in creative and as Michael goes, someone will come up to take his place. But as you do that, as you move on, I pray God that every single one of us will for all of our days say, Jesus, I'm doing it for you. Oh, I'm not worried about the crowd. I don't mind if a statue never gets erected so long as Jesus gets the glory. Come on, just sing it with me once. I'll make room. Say yes to Jesus. You may be unknown, insignificant in your life, but say yes to Jesus. To you, Lord, yeah, yeah. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. I know of nothing more important that you can do with your life than to give it back to the one who gave it to you in the first place. That's what William Wilberforce discovered that He was on the planet for a purpose. He had no idea what it was until He gave His life to Christ. When He began the journey after saying yes wholeheartedly to Jesus, all of a sudden His life began to make sense. His own family disowned Him, by the way. All the wealth that He accumulated, at the end of His life, He'd given it all away. He had none left. He had to go and live with His children. He'd give it all away. He supported not just causes against slavery of which he was the champion, but something like 60 or 70 other things that he invested time and effort in. Oh, I may not be a William Wilberforce. 
I might just be me, but I want to give Jesus my wholehearted yes. Lord, here's my yes. Would you say it to him today? Lord, here's my yes. 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 If they know my name, here's my yes. If they never know my name, here's my yes. If I get congratulated, here's my yes. If no one ever applauds, here's my yes. To do whatever you want to Some of you here today listening to me, either in the auditorium or online, you have never given Jesus the first yes. That makes Him your Saviour. Just like Peter, you perhaps are too conscious of all your failings. Depart from me, Lord, Peter said, I'm a sinful man. It's not a bad thing when you're aware of your brokenness, when you're aware of your sin. Because I think it just points all the more to the Saviour who saves. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for people that are listening to me today. Online, in the building. They want to say yes to you. Just like people do every week. They want to say yes to you. But God, this is not just every week. Every single one of these is someone you know intimately. Someone you have been calling to personally. Someone you've been reaching out to intentionally. Wanting them to come to this point where like William Wilberforce, they just simply say, Jesus, here's my life. I pray for them, Lord. Pray for not just the moment of their decision, but I pray for what comes after it. The discipleship journey, the walking with Jesus journey, the changing journey, the listening journey. Father, we thank you for them. If that's you today, then this next prayer I'm praying, would you make it your prayer? You can whisper it after me if you want. Lord Jesus, I need you. Oh, I need a Saviour. Come into my life. Save me today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we give those people a big hand and congratulate them? So well done. If you're in the building, I'd love to meet you. If you said yes to Jesus, or just simply go to the Connect Hub, someone there will be there to help you. If you're online, or you can do this, I'd love you to do it if you're in the building. Send us your yes, Y-E-S, to 0488826392. That'll work if you're in Australia. If you're outside of Australia, go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Of course, if you're in Australia, you'd rather get our help by email, just use that one as well. Of course, if you're with us on the MetroChurch.online platform, there's a yes button there and you can activate that just by touching it. Then we're going to send you help every day because we're so excited about the journey you've just begun with Jesus. Amen. I think we've got to sing that one more time. I know we had a carol to finish, but I just kind of feel like we all want to go out of here telling Jesus today, tonight, tomorrow. I'll make room for you, Lord. Come on, sing it again. For you want to, to do whatever you want to. And I will make room for you.
time, I'll make room. I will make room for you, Lord, to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I pray that God will just keep working with you, walking with you. I know we will. Pastor Ray's online for ministry time there. Solomon and Rosalind, they're already out in the prayer space waiting to believe with anybody that needs prayer today. Cafe will be open. But I, I kind of, because it's only, how, is it six more sleeps? How, how many sleeps is it? Six or seven, I don't know, whatever it is. It's only a few more. And I get to see seven, thank you. Seven. I can usually count, but just right then it escaped me. Well, are we just sing a hark the Herald Angels? Angels we have. Not Harold's Angels, the Herald Angels. Is that the one? Angels we have heard on high. Is that the one? The other one. Angels we have heard on high. Oh. Okay, we're going to sing Angels we have heard on high. And you can go if you've got to go. Get out there quick to the cafe. Or else you can sing this carol. Get ready because seven more sleeps before we can come back. Here it is. Hey. 